Literally, this was a club on like the 30th floor of a building. Took forever for the elevator to get up there. There was a horse. There was a swimming pool inside that was probably full of COVID. It was really good fun. Hello and welcome to the 33rd episode of Floorcast, the NFT podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us once more. Again, I'm joined by three C's, but making their first, is it a first ever return appearance if we don't count Christine? Chris K, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. I thought I was banned for life after the last one, but you know, I'm just pumped to be back. Well, listen, we, I think you were like sixth or seventh choice as an extra guest. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. And <laughs> as always, Corwin, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm just thinking of Chris K's messages yesterday where he was like, yes, I'll like, I'll be there. And then like an hour later, he's like, so exciting. <laughs> it's so great to have you. I woke up to that message. I was like, that's great. I love it. And this time, didn't have the pleasure of speaking to Chris last time, did you, Curtis? No, but I have had the pleasure of hanging out with Chris in New York before, and we've worked on some stuff before. So uh, always, always great to chat to him. Fantastic. Colin, I'll start by asking you what the weather's like in New York. It's actually not bad today. I, I walked to work and it was like a nice cool breeze. It wasn't too hot. It's actually really great weather. <laughs> I mean, it's probably going to get more humid later today, but the morning walk was amazing. Yeah, we're, we're kind of, I think, on the, the same kind of wave over here in London where it's, I wouldn't say too hot, not too cold still. You can still go out, shorts and t-shirt. And uh, yeah, it's feeling fairly breezy and not too humid. Curtis, any thoughts on the weather? No weather thoughts, but uh, this week is going to be very awesome for the floor community at large because we've got some cool features coming out and a new partnership that was just launched. So that's what's got me excited. Great. And uh, Chris K is running to his door to let a cat out, but he has come back. Very swiftly. Did you say a cat out? A cat? <laughs> was that it a cat? Was a small dog. Oh, it was a small dog. Hold on, hold on. I'll explain myself. It's because, listeners, you won't be able to see this, but Chris K has one of those cameras that does the focus on the face thing. Everything else is slightly blurry. Yeah, there we go. He's moving around. And so I just saw something scattered down to the bottom and I wasn't really looking because I was looking at Curtis and I just thought it was a cat because it was moving quite quickly. On that note... <laughs> We will move on to our first topic, which is the Digi Daikagu Genesis launch, which was a free mint at now 16th floor, a 2K supply. And in the notes here, I've got from Corwin, crypto influencers got in early. So this comes from Limit Break, who also raised $200 million recently. They're like a VC fund, VC gaming fund, I think. So yeah, I mean, listen, this is weird, but also interesting. The free to own catchphrase has been basically pushed out by this team and it's caught on i saw cz binance ceo tweeting like oh free to own if everyone's free why are we working so hard but it won't be free for like everything won't be free for long dot 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 which i found very interesting so curtis i don't know if you've seen this around uh wanted to pick your brains on this first yeah this is the first i'm hearing about it mainly because people are like (laughs) just enthused that it's gotten to such a high floor in the middle of a bear. I'd, I'd love to hear what Corin thinks on like the free to own, but one, one question I have, like they raise so much money. Games are notoriously long road. Like they take a long time to come to market. I don't know how far along they are in their development, but even with AAA games take 
two to three years. And if they're aiming for that, that's the, the time horizon we're working with here. But one question I have is, if they just raised 200 million in VC, why drop the NFT so early? Because the whole, from what I can gather, the whole idea of free to own is, or this initial NFT is that it's a factory to spit out other NFTs that are game assets. But if the game is three years away, why drop the NFT now? Why not raise the money, hype it up, and then drop the NFT closer to game launch? That's what every NFT project has done to date, hasn't it? <laughs> like launch a bunch of stuff, get the money in, promise what you're going to build, and then hope to build it over the next few. But with a free mint, there's no money. Well, there is on the secondary, if it goes well, and loads of influences. We're going to talk about royalties in a minute, but like, if there's no royalties, then there is no income. Yeah, that's, that's very fair. Whoa, meta. That's very fair. I go back and forth on this, right? Because an audio documentary that I've been producing, one of the people we interviewed, um, Miguel Faust, he raised like over $600,000 to create a short film via NFTs, which is quite cool. And to me, that's kind of like buying the movie poster in digital form before the movie comes out and you've actually helped produce the movie and maybe you get a credit. Kind of interesting, right? I think the issue you've got with like, I guess, games or any other products you build, they can take a lot longer. The output might not be as desired. It might have to be iterated and it might need more money to like maintain. Whereas I guess as a piece of media, you just chuck it out there. If people hate it, you can just be like, well, it's taste, right? Whereas if it's a shit product and no one uses it, the market is telling you it's a shit product. Same with a game. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see. I wonder what they do with that 200 million. Is it going to be invested in their own kind of infrastructure? Is it going to be invested in a bunch of other stuff? My guess is the latter, but it's going to be, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what happens there. Also, this company was founded by, like they have a huge background in like mobile gaming and games like Game of War, Mobile Strike. They did like a Final Fantasy game and they sold, I, I believe the f- co-founder here sold his last gaming company for 500 million. Um, so that's not like, just a random company that popped up and raised 200 million. It's not like me and Corwin raising 200 million. <laughs> exactly. Even though I, I feel like we could do it, Pat. <laughs> we probably could. <laughs> on, on the deck, it'd be like accomplishments. 30 episodes of the broadcast. Oh, God. Chris K, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really bullish on a lot of the Web3 gaming plays out there. Like, all the ones I've sort of bought into just haven't been fun. Um, so I think I'm always skeptical when a new thing comes along. In terms of the strategy they're using here, like I, I can see why they're releasing a free PFP right now. It sort of builds up that initial interest. And if it's going to take them one, two, three years to build the game, I think it's good to sort of slowly build up that momentum. Um, and, you know, one would hope that they're sort of over that period that they're building, they're sharing insights and they're sort of wetting people's appetite at the same time. But like this I see is sort of a kickoff of an ecosystem that they're hoping to build more than anything else. Any last thoughts, Corwin? I think it's crazy how free mint, like we're in the middle of a bear market, um, allegedly, right? No, no, I, I can categorically say we are. I don't think it's alleged anymore, my friend. And we, well, because we go from from a free mint to 16 ETH floor with like 400 ETH sweeps. Um, like I, I get like they're a huge game publisher and everything and they, they have the background and the knowledge, but like that's just an insane floor for like the market that we're currently in. It is. I've seen a few interesting tweets recently about kind of free mints and paid mints. They're both going to exist. And I, I actually do agree with that. I think that if we think about, if we also think about 
I guess, the mission that Floor have in terms of onboarding the next tens of millions of users into NFTs. I don't think that's going to happen predominantly at like a high ticket price point, right? Like that's going to happen at the much more, the, the cheaper end or the free functional end. Like, you know, uh, you get a free token with a ticket that you buy to something and that token gives you a discount to the next ticket you buy or that's actually the next ticket. I think that's more whereby you're going to see this kind of mass consumer side of things. So I kind of don't mind the experimentational free mint stuff. I think it's really interesting. I think that during a bear market whereby, you know, volumes on most NFT exchanges have dipped like between 70 and 90%, depending on who you believe and, and what kind of analytics you're looking at. I think it's it's fine for people to experiment with different things, whether or not they fail or do well, and especially with stuff that's free that isn't going to harm consumers. Chris, you looked like you were going to say something. Yeah, I think with the free mints, the one thing I do think about, like they're great if you're a brand and you're doing an awareness play, you have another source of income. But like so many of them I see, they're just sort of coming out, they're flopping, they're maybe making a few ETH, but that's not enough to meaningfully do anything in terms of building a product, building a project out or anything like that. So like, I've got to wonder, you know, what is the end goal for a lot of these? I think free mints definitely have their place. I just don't, I haven't seen beyond sort of Goblin Town one that's sort of really gone and sort of started building on top of that initial hype. Yeah, I guess we also have to think about punks, right? The genesis of them were free mint given away. Like, yeah, I, I think... I think you make a really good point. I think the other thing I'd say is that they can drastically suck the liquidity out of the market because they tend to be more freely tradable and therefore like you start seeing a lot of leakage a lot of leakage in terms of liquidity in the market. Like if everything's a free mint and they're gonna be more traded because people are constantly flipping trying to make money, you're gonna have that two to five percent that kind of slips out. Uh, of the market, which I'm not too sure about. But yeah, I, I wonder if there's a route for some of these free mints to pair their free mints with other kind of rev generating things, services, products. I don't quite know what they're going to be. And to be honest with you, I don't know if there's even going to be something feasible there that works well and creates a, a proper sustainable business. But it's it's interesting to see nonetheless. And I like the experimentation. This is getting into the royalty stuff. You're touching on something important, which is why... I kind of like what they're doing with this the game. They're free mint, maybe very low royalties. I'm not sure how that plays out, but they raised a huge amount of money. So you know, at the very least, they're going to be able to put like a proper AAA budget together to do this thing. Whereas with, like you said, other free mints, especially with the way royalties are going, you've got to find a way to make a sustainable business slash project, which means figuring out how to deliver value to holders that is divorced from just the floor price because you're not collecting royalties on that. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot more about royalties in the second part of the show, but let's talk about another NFT project called D-Gods. They are a <laughs> top five PFP project valued by ETH. They are a sole NFT and they've got a high valued coin that is about to pass ApeCoin, according to Corwin's notes. Um, and I want to read something funny here, which is from Frank D-Gods. Uh, he's one of the founders of D-Gods. He, <laughs> he or she or they tweeted fun facts the d-gods pre-sale was launched from a shitty motel in alabama the d-gods discord was ddos attacked 10 minutes before our public mint and four days before release dead gods our house flooded now all our twitter accounts are suspended we'll survive which i thought was quite funny corwin why don't you take us through a bit more 
on this one since you're the sole maxi on the panel. I've been seeing this all over Twitter like the past week where someone like someone put together like all the top profile picture pick projects and like and like ranked them in like I guess like they ranked them in ETH even though this isn't Soul. Uh, and this actually broke into like the top five, which is crazy. Um, and now since they launched a coin, uh, it's been doing like extremely well. I haven't checked today though. Um, I'm going to have to go back and check, but I, it's been literally like all over crypto Twitter or NFT Twitter. It's definitely interesting to see like a soul project pick up this much momentum. They're even on the homepage of like OpenSea now too uh, for like most volume in like the past seven days. I don't know much about the project besides just seeing them everywhere, but definitely interesting or I guess cool to see soul come up out of nowhere. Yeah, they're ranked number four uh, most volume on OpenSea in the past seven days. Crazy. Floor price is 600 soul. Would you sell your soul for one? I would not sell my soul for one, but it's definitely interesting too. Like, why did all their Twitter accounts get suspended? Even their official Twitter account got suspended. I just went to interesting. For a Solana project, you know, there's two things that sort of stand out here. First of all, the art isn't that bad. And they seem to have a really well built out ecosystem around staking. They have incentives for people to buy off the floor with their dust coin. Like, it does seem like a lot of effort has gone into this. I'm not quite sure what the purpose of the coin is and what the utility is, but um, you know, this is definitely something someone has spent a lot of time on. Also, t- to clarify, when I put in the notes that it's more money than ApeCoin, I didn't mean by market cap. I have no idea what the market cap of this is. I just meant like the price. Well, that is pointless, my friend. That is pointless because <laughs> market cap is all that matters, you noob. Oh, I don't know what their market cap is. You can't see it. It just says it's just blank on coin market. You've just made me sound like an idiot on a podcast, all right? Thank you very much. It wouldn't be the first or last time I've made you sound like an idiot. Can confirm. Right, let's move on because we do have quite a chunky topic after the halfway mark that I think is going to dominate most of the discussion. Before we do move on though, I need to remind you that we're a community-led podcast by the Floor NFT app community. If you don't know what Floor is, it's your very own NFT portfolio in your pocket. An app that aggregates all your NFTs into one amazing interface, showing you price movements, latest sales, and so much more. So the headline for our big topic of the day is X2Y2 says royalties are optional. So they're a pretty big exchange that have decided to make it optional for royalties following Pseudoswap's move and their NFT volumes uh, have been increasing as a result. So folks, I'd love to hear your thoughts because we've had this debate on Discord, Slack, on Twitter. What your thoughts are in terms of royalties on NFT? Should they be baked into the actual tokens so that no one can do this? I don't know if that's even technically possible. Maybe Chris can tell us. Should it be optional? What do you think? Yeah, so I think like to start with, there's a massive misconception about the NFT space that artists can set their royalties and everyone honors them. And it's really interesting to see now um, people are sort of realizing, hang on, that isn't the case. And I'm sure that's shocking a lot of people who are sort of in the art side of the industry, in the music side, who have put their work on the blockchain and they think, okay, I'm going to get royalties from all of this. I think royalties have been a mess for a while, and this was just bound to happen. There hasn't been a single standard that sort of covers it all. It's been voluntary for marketplaces to adopt it. For so long, OpenSea did their own thing, gave you batch payments at the end of each month. It's only with Seaport where they're really starting to use a lot of the standards out there. 
you know, do I think that sort of a marketplace should just be able to say, hey, you know, these royalties that, you know, you want to collect, you can't. Um, we're going to let the buyer decide. I don't think that's fair on anyone who's sort of put their NFTs on the market. They've set the terms of sale and now someone is coming in and overriding them. Like, it, it just seems like a really sort of crappy move for X to Y2. And I know this is probably preempted by PseudoSwap and uh, what they've been doing, but... I don't think it really helps artists. I don't think it helps the perception of NFTs for people who've now been caught with their pants down around this. So I, I think there needs to be something to sort of address this. From a technical side, that's actually fairly hard because all of the current standards allow people not to pay royalties. And there's not much you can do about it without sort of breaking your standard and making them incompatible. Curtis, you probably have some thoughts here, but I, I know like the biggest sort of things people have been suggesting is like, OK, well, we can allow list marketplaces so you can't sell on places like X2Y2 who are sort of um, doing away with the royalties. Or you can sort of charge a fee to sort of transfer an NFT, which then breaks compatibility with everything. There just doesn't seem to be a good option, um, at least from a technical level, without sort of iterating on the standard itself that would address this. Yeah, on the technical side, um, like you're familiar, <laughs> I, I saw a bunch of people share code snippets that are like, here's what you add to your contract to al like allow certain marketplaces or disallow certain marketplaces. That is just not going to work at all for a lot of reasons, but a, a big one too is, in two years, is that person or the developer going to be around to update the list of marketplaces that are allowed? What happens if another contract migration happens and now Seaport is like a different address and now you don't like? There's just so many issues with trying to do that. Also, it kind of chips away at like the whole decentralization idea that we have. So if you're if you're from the one contract dictating like what can be done on what marketplace, it's kind of a weird way of going about it. In terms of the royalties, like I I think. For non-art projects, this could be good. Just kind of playing devil's advocate. It's going to take a while more for me to stew on this and figure out what exactly where I stand on this, but to play devil's advocate. For non-art project, this forces the project to figure out how to make revenue or how to survive minus royalties. Now, if there's royalties, that's great. Um, that's a good revenue stream, but they have to figure out other ways of doing things. So they have to deliver value, do things for the holders so that they'll incentivize holders to stick around the ecosystem and generate revenue another way. It also means that the revenue, like if, if you do have royalties, the revenue is mostly coming from flippers, which for most projects, you don't want the flippers hanging around your project, or at least lots of people are complaining about uh, people coming in and flipping. So it's weird that people are saying we want royalties, which incentivizes flippers, but we don't want the flippers. So <laughs> there's lots of different sides to this. Um, but I definitely think for art projects, and I know a couple artists that are doing very well uh, right now, that's a case where it's like, this is a purely an art thing. We're not going to tack on a bunch of utility or like we're not going to try and generate revenue. Like this is just an art thing, which means I'm going to charge a royalty because that's the way I get paid for my, my stuff. 100%, I think for sure, purely art stuff should continue to have royalties. And I think the artists are going to pick the marketplace that honors those royalties. And I think the market's going to kind of decide. Obviously, you can't lock down the contract level, but hopefully if you want to support an artist, you'll buy on a marketplace that supports the royalties. Yeah, I, I think it's tricky, like where you draw the line between, you know, what is an art project and what's not. Like in in all of the arguments I've heard, that's sort of been the one thing sort of sticking in my head. It's like, well, you know, 
yes, you should treat art projects differently to sort of people building stuff. But where is that sort of line? Sometimes it can be very hazy. But I do agree, like, if you are a project that, you know, has a roadmap, is building software, building entertainment, building whatever, relying on royalties is not a sustainable business model. And you need to think about where that money is coming from, whether it's from your initial sale, whether you're going out to VC or other avenues. Like, you need to think about these like a business in a lot of ways. Although it's not a complete analog, I mean, a lot of music artists to this point have, you know, made a fair bit of money from royalties. They've, some of them made a living off it. People have sold IP, like in the arts industry and media industry, have made their kind of living off royalties. You know, it's two and a half men, Charlie Sheen, lived off jingles for the rest of his life. Obviously not a good example, but... Is there an argument to be made that, like, we've seen this stuff in Web2, NFTs just, one of the superpowers when it comes to NFTs is perpetual royalties and being paid forever for something you created. And if there's perpetual demand for that thing that you might have to stoke, then maybe you should be paid for that. Again, it's, you know, what you said isn't, like, they shouldn't have royalties. But I think in terms of, is it completely unsustainable? I think there'll be some nuance there in terms of what the project is. I think if you're a gaming project that are selling out like 5 million primary and then like hoping that the, that the secondaries are going to pay for your devs, that's obviously not going to be a thing. But I think if you're creating art, if you're creating music as NFTs, which I'm, I'm not too bullish on, yeah, I, I think that there are going to be loads of projects that or people or artists that kind of make their living from these secondary royalties. Yeah, and trying to explain this to someone in the Web2 world <laughs> and um, you get sort of weird looks. Um, you know, you, you're working with artists, they're concerned about protecting their IPs, that people can't copy their images, that they're getting paid royalties on each sale. And as soon as you sort of then say, well, hang on a sec, people can just always right-click save as and you're not guaranteed the royalties. Does that sort of uh, mean that the value prop of NFTs go away for them? Um, like it's a real sort of conversation I've had sort of several times recently. And I think that that sort of rocks the artist's confidence in the market in general. That, that's the biggest concern that I see coming out of this. Outside of concerns and everything I added in the show notes here as well. Like we talked, I think, was it last week, Pet? We talked about like liquidity issues in like the, the NFT market. It's very interesting that X2Y2 did this because if you ever go on like gem.xyz where you like could it basically aggregates all the markets, X2Y2 is always the floor, like they always dominate the floor of every project and have like listings there. And there's this tweet that showed that after PseudoSwap's move to the 0% royalties to creators, they dominated a majority of the floor listings. Um, and you could see by the chart I linked here too. Maybe we could put it in the show notes. So I'm curious if other marketplaces will follow this move. Like, will LooksRare follow this move? And then if LooksRare does, is it going to kind of like force OpenSea into this? I don't know what this looks like in the next couple of months, but X2Y2 is one of the big three out there right now. So to see them make this type of move is definitely interesting. It's interesting, but not surprising. Like, I think the reason why X2Y2 is often sort of the most popular, if you're looking on Gem or something, is because everyone forgets to go there and set their royalties. Because I, I don't think they look at the um, standard EIP on the contract to pull those in. But also for a, a while, X2Y2 has not been allowing you to set royalties um, unless you undercut OpenSea. So they, they've been using their position in, you know, potentially... Um, 
less than sort of savory ways, um, let's say. And I, I think, you know, if anyone is going to do it, it's going to be them. Will Luxrare, will OpenSea jump on board? I, I don't know, because I think immediately, uh, as soon as you sort of do that, you get the backlash from the creators. And like, the question is, does it harm your business at the end of the day? And that's still an open question. Just on that, I just saw a nice tweet from... Was it Loopify, I think, who tweeted something like, whatever is better for business isn't always better for users. And it kind of got me thinking alongside what just what Chris K just said. If we think about Web3, and maybe this is kind of just the kind of crypto bro optimistic thing about uh, it being more egalitarian and more equal and fair for the whole, I guess, that entire thing in terms of business, creator, consumer, and the kind of businesses that surround that, like a gem, like a X, X2Y2, it's difficult, right? Like, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see which way this goes. As Chris mentioned, the kind of standard set mean that, like, it's difficult to kind of implement this on the tech side of things. I think one of the other things is that there are going to be players in this ecosystem. You know, Web2, we see lots of big businesses created from just taking, like, merchant side percentages of payments so you know Klarna um, there's lots of charities that run that way in terms of in, in the terms of like they reach out to merchants and say if you pay through our app then two percent goes to charity all that kind of stuff I think there are kind of slightly lateral business models in web 2 that are not too far away from the kind of royalty side of things whereby like the increased demand is being pushed by like a third-party vendor and now in web 3 terms you're thinking you know, genie in those terms, but also that kind of sliver of a payment going somewhere else rather than the buyer or seller, I don't think is too alien. And I think this is a short-term thing. I think liquidity will still congregate where most buying and selling happens when we go back into a bit more of a positive run. And I don't really envision, I think people are always going to sell stuff without royalties in the secondary. But I think for, you know, there was actually a big thing, like, during it was 2019 where like a lot of kind of crypto artists banded together to make all the platforms enforce that rule which is quite interesting so if it goes far too far down the line you could see something like that so yeah i'll be very curious to see how this develops but my, my gut feeling is that we go into back towards open sea and the bigger kind of exchanges as volumes rise and as we go back into a bull market i don't know i heard paul sweet had something cool yesterday <laughs> For reference, listeners, Chris told us like a minute before we started recording that he wanted to talk about Pool Suite's new PFP project, which I'll hand over to him. Yeah, so Pool Suite is one of those projects I like. Like, I have no idea what they're building. I have no idea sort of the end goal and utility. Got me and Colin into a party over the summer where um, we padded our horse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was a horse inside the club. <laughs> Like, literally, this was a club on like the 30th floor of a building. It took forever for the elevator to get up there. There was a horse. There was a swimming pool inside that was probably full of COVID. It was really good fun. But yeah. Full of COVID. They launched Grand Leisure yesterday, and that is their PFP project. And the reason I like it, and the reason I like a lot of things they do, is they just put a lot of effort into the design and user experience. Like They built this sort of simulated 1980s computer where... You clicked in, you did this wallet verification, then you have all these buttons and knobs to press to sort of customize your PFP. And like, 
I must have spent like almost an hour just playing around with it and sort of seeing what I could generate. And then, um, you know, if you hold one of the tokens, you can mint for free. Otherwise, I think it's 0.25 ETH, which is uh, probably worth sort of talking about because that seemed very expensive. But um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. I will say it was maybe a bit too much like a 90 days computer in terms of switching between each sort of option for like hat, sunglasses, um, outfit took like too long. It would have been good to have more of a video game like experience where you could see the options before you picked them. It was also so very hard to tell which ones were male, which ones were female. So I was doing a lot of back and forth there as I was generating uh, my PFP, but like really well done from a design user experience perspective and just a nice bit of fun. Yeah, I think Pool Suite is a project that I'm quite interested in following for sure. I think there's only so much and so far you can go with Strictly Vibes. So I am, I am very, like not in a bad way because I think I'm very interested in seeing like what they produce tangibly going forward. I just think they're really, really, really good at their branding. Like they're yeah, sure. experts in branding. And think about the top companies that are really good experts in branding. It's every clothing company, right? Like Yeah. But that's what what like I could go buy a very like a higher quality shirt that's gonna last me longer than Louis Vuitton or whatever it may be. No offense to any anyone, by the way. I'm just throwing it out there like it's because they have good branding, right? They do. I guess it's premium product, premium branding. You know, there's a lot of psychology there, supply and demand. But I do think that the ticket items that we're talking about here, I mean, you've got to think about, right? Pool Suite was at one point, what, 570 floor at like ETH being like $3,000, $4,000. So we're not talking about like a $700 Louis Vuitton handbag that you might buy cool. And we're talking about like a $20,000 membership pass that gives you access into this club that may or may not yield you value in the future. So I don't think we're far enough down the line to be asking the questions of like, oh, is Pool Suite actually going to do anything? Because I think that's going to be like two, three, four years down the line because some of the things that I'm sure they're planning on doing take a while to get off the ground. But uh, I, I think it's, I, I'm more curious and interested in, in kind of seeing how it pans out. Radio, before we move on to say goodbye, I guess, Corwin, why don't you give us a lowdown what's happened at floor for the last week? Because it has been a big week and there was some foreshadowing by Curtis that there's going to be more big stuff happening this week. So why don't you take it away? Um, yes, there is actually a big update coming today where we are adding some more settings in and also allowing people to search any collection they want and add it to their watch list. Uh, so super stoked about that. The first collection I searched was Monsters of the Blockchain by Chris K. And it was awesome being able to go to that project page, seeing the activity. It was really, really cool. So I'm um, I know a lot of people have been asking for this feature, and it's uh, something I'm super stoked about. Awesome! Oh, Thanks and then so we also announced. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, I was gonna say. I was thinking. I was thinking like, is he gonna do that? But uh, yeah. Yeah. Then we we also announced the partnership with Proof, where we're allowing Proof Collective members access to being able to mint an app pass and get access to our app, which is really cool. Real cool. Love that and uh, love to see where that partnership goes. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Uh, you can find us at The Floorcast. You can find Floor at Floor NFTs. And you can find me at Pet Berisha, B-E-R-I-S-H-A. You can find Corwin at Zero X Corwin on Twitter or inside The Floor Discord as well. And you can find Chris K on Twitter at 
at at C Cajonan. That's C-K-O-R-H-O-N-E-N. Nice. And you can find Curtis at Curtis J. Cummings on Twitter. Also, shout out to Noel. Um, he came out to the forecast live. And then I also ran into him at an event, uh, Web3 event on Monday. So big shout out to Noel. Big fan. Shout out to Noel. No, not big fan. Big supporter. I'm so sorry. <laughs> What have I said, Corn? You don't have fans. I know. I'm a big supporter. Thank you, Noel. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Please subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already and give us a rating. Four stars, three stars, five stars, one star if you hate us. Let us know what we need to do better. Just remember that none of what we have said today's episode or in any episode of the Floorcast is financial advice, just great advice. Thanks once more for listening and we'll have more Floorcast for you next week. <laughs>